0: praise the Lord. (laughs) Hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Uh, Let's look to the Lord in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for another day. and, And Lord, just for an opportunity that we can gather together and share your word. For an opportunity that we can gather together and hear from our brothers and sisters. And and uh, Lord, just to look to you. And so I pray now that you would help that, that all distractions would subside. That uh, all this technology, that all this stuff will work the way it should. And, and Lord, that, that you are in control. So Lord, help me uh, to to look to you. And not be distracted, Lord. Help us all to hear from you. Hear from your word, Lord. And help us, Lord, to take it and to use it for your glory and for Christ's sake. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I know some of you, if you got the scriptures this morning, we're going to go into Philippians, the first chapter. I wasn't able to do the... Friday night Bible study, which this is what we uh, had intended to be looking at, and and now uh, as I think about it, and, and as I look at it, I understand that the Lord's in control, and uh, so now I just understand, and, and I believe that this is for this morning, and that we could all be a part of this, and that we could all hear His Word, and, and so let's just go to Philippians the first chapter. I want to read verses 8 through 11, and I'll be reading from... Uh, the New King James Version this morning. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now let me pause and understand this is uh, one of Paul's letters that he is writing from prison and he is writing to uh, the church, the young church that is in Philippi. And then in verse 9 begins a prayer. And Paul says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the, the Apostle Paul, he's always giving thanks. And as you've read his letters, the, the epistles of Paul, you know that Paul is always praying for the churches and desiring their furtherance in the gospel. And I want to read just a couple of those prayers from other letters that he wrote. First in first the uh, Thessalonians, the first chapter. First Thessalonians, the first chapter, verses 2 through 4. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. And let's go to Ephesians, the first chapter. As we read through these, just consider that this yeah uh, you know, this is my prayer for you, and, and I pray that these are prayers that you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just consider these these prayers of Paul as an example for us in Ephesians first chapter verses eighteen or sixteen through eighteen. therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints." And if we go to uh, the third chapter of Ephesians, and just pick up there in verses uh, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, Paul's primary focus was in all his reported uh, recorded prayers is for the church's spiritual welfare and growth and that, that we would be praying for one another prayers such as this that we would might be filled with the spirit of god that we might be rooted and grounded in love that we, we might comprehend with all the saints of uh, the knowledge and love of christ so what is paul's specific prayer for the church at philippi Let, let's go back into philippians 1 Verse 9, let's read it. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So Paul prays that their love, and, and this love, I, I know you've heard sermons, you've probably done studies on, on the different Greek words for love, and you know those, and, and this this is not filio. Uh, love, brotherly love, that this is agape. This is agape love, the self-giving love of Christ. He, he says, I pray that that love, agape love, may develop in two ways. And what does he say? In knowledge and in discernment, in depth of insight. And, and before we even talk about that, just let me ask, where does this love come from? Can, can we create agape love in ourselves and of ourselves? Uh, Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So who is this talking to? Who, Who is the recipients of this this is born again believers this is children of god and what has happened to the child of god god's love has been poured out into our hearts how by the holy spirit who was given to us biblical love the virtue of godly love is a gift of god poured into our hearts and christ-like love is in an attribute that will be evidenced in the life of every true born-again believer by the Holy Spirit. And I'll ask this, does every true born-again child of God have the Spirit of God dwelling within them? Yes. Yes, Romans 8, verse 9. You know, Paul is is making that identity between the flesh and the Spirit and the born-again believer, our new identity in Christ, born of the Spirit, and he says in Romans 8 and 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now listen to this. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is not the Lord. So everyone that is born of God has the Spirit of God in them, dwelling in them. If not, then they are not a child of God. So if the child of God has the Spirit within them, there will be evidences that the Spirit is there. And love is one of those evidences. Uh, The the fruit of the Spirit, the evidences of the Spirit. Let's go to Galatians 5 and read those. Galatians 5. And through the years we've talked about this, about Galatians 5, and and, and talked about this is not a, a... cluster of fruit that you can pick and choose which of these you want to be a part of your life if you're a born again believer this is the whole this is this should be you every aspect of the fruit of the spirit if you are born of god born of the spirit each one of these elements of the fruit of the spirit should be evident in your life and in my life but the fruit of the spirit is and look what's first love joy joy peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So what, that first evidence, that first portion of that fruit of the spirit love i I want to read from galatians let's let's go to let's read verses 13 and 14 in in that same chapter chapter 5 for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then let's go to Matthew 22, uh, verses 37 through 40. As you're turning there, just remember that this What was the response of Jesus to the Pharisee who had asked the question, which is the great commandment in the law? And what did Jesus do? Jesus quoted him, Deuteronomy 6, 5. So it's in uh, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. What does that mean? Uh, What we read there from Galatians. For all the law is fulfilled in, in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Well, let's go to Romans 13. Romans 13. It explains what, what this means. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8 through 10. It says, "O no one anything except to love one another. <laughs> Is love important? <laughs> oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So if, if we are loving as we should, we will not steal from someone, we will not commit adultery, we will not lie to someone, and, and certainly we'll, we will not murder someone. And, and then Paul says any other commandments is, uh, like these are is all summed up, is all engulfed in the saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And perhaps quite often the, the thought might come to our mind, well, who is my neighbor? And let, let, let's remember, uh, we're, we're not going to turn here, but you know the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And if you do want to read it, uh, you can put in your note there. It's in Luke, the 10th chapter, uh, down about the middle there, verse 25 through 37. This is where there was a lawyer wanting to justify himself. And he tried to ask Jesus one of those gotcha questions. And he asked, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus spoke the parable of the good Samaritan. If I could just kind of paraphrase that story just quickly. A certain man was robbed. He was stripped of his clothing and left half dead, beaten on the side of the road. And you remember who came by? Who was first? A priest. A priest came by. He saw the man. He saw the man. Did he go to them and and help him? No, it says he went to the other side of the road. He didn't want to even get near him. He went to the other side of the road and passed on by. And next, Jesus said a Levite passed by and did the same thing. He saw the man in need, but went to the other side of the road and passed by. But a certain Samaritan... One A Samaritan was an enemy. These people had been fighting one another. But this one saw the man, saw the need, had compassion, and cared for him. And Jesus asked the lawyer, he asked this, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? (laughs) And the lawyer had to answer, the one who showed mercy. So remember what Jesus said. He said, go then and do likewise. So child of God, who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Well, just let me say this. Anyone that we may meet while on this journey of life is our neighbor. God has made us new creatures in Christ. He has made us righteous before him and empowered by the Holy Spirit to love others for his sake. We are commanded to love others, even our enemies. So how will people know that we are children of God? Well, that we will be more like the Samaritan than that priest, than that Levite that passed by that one who was in need. Let's go to John the 13th chapter. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you. This is is Jesus talking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, to, To love, what? What did, what did he say? That you love one another as I have loved you. Now what kind of love, brothers and sisters, what kind of love did Jesus have for you? That while you were yet sinners, a sinner, yet an enemy of God, Christ died for you. That, that's how much he loved. That's how much he loved, that he gave himself for you, that you might be made righteous before God, that you might have eternal life. And and this love, this agape love, is, is not the love of the world. You know, the world, it, it's all impulse and it's sentiment. It's, it's, it's being drawn to something because of its beauty. See, that's the world's love. The world will say, I, I love you because you have done something for me. Or I love you because I, I feel something for you. Divine love, godly love, agape love says, I will love you whether you are my friend or my enemy. I will love you regardless of how you may treat me. I will love you unconditionally. Because if we have not love, what do we have? If we have not love, we truly have nothing. Where do you think I'm going to go next? 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go. Let, let's remind ourselves. Uh, and just just remember that, that Paul had said the, the last verse of chapter 12 was in regards to seeking and desiring spiritual gifts. And, and it said, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he begins that uh, what we know as chapter 13. And what is the more excellent way it is love. It is love. I want to read uh, down through the first part of, of chapter, or, or, of verse 8 in chapter 13, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 13. You can go and read the entire chapter later. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. In verse 13, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So no matter what you may know, what I may know, if we have not love, we have nothing. Because you see, we can know a lot of things, can't we? Doctrine of justification. Oh, I think I got that. I got that. Uh, doctrine of, of sanctification. Yeah, I I think i got a pretty good understanding. Doctrine of grace, doctrine of God, doctrine of this, doctrine of that. You can have it all down. You can walk around with a mind filled with theological terminology and yet still be severely lacking in a knowledge of God in terms of agape love. If we have not love, we truly have nothing. Go back to that verse 9. Of this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. In knowledge and all discernment. What's that talking about? Love based on knowledge. Well, well, I believe it's this. I believe it's talking about knowledge of God's word. the, The truth of God's word. Any love that is not grounded and growing in the truth and standards of scripture falls short of genuine biblical love. You can't be angry with someone and be walking in truth. Amen? You can't be angry with someone and be walking in truth. You can't hate someone and be walking in truth and in love. As a child of God, we are compelled by Scripture to love not only the brethren, but also our enemies. And anything less is walking in disobedience to God. Amen. Anything less than walking in love, walking in the knowledge of truth, is walking in disobedience to God. And I've got to tell you, this this convicts me. That this speaks to me, especially in light of, of everything we've been going through over the last several weeks, and and of me turning on the news, and, and of me, looking and hearing what different people in our government, our leaders, are saying. And I've got to confess, I can I can listen to certain members of the House and of the Senate, and I can feel my blood pressure go up. And perhaps you are the same way. Just when I hear them speak, it, it, it's just... Because I know a lot of it is lies i know a lot of it is a, is for a, an agenda that is against what the word of god says and, and i'm trying to learn uh, I'm, I'm trying to discern uh, i'm trying to have compassion and show forth love the, the love of christ and, and we must understand you see here's the here's the thing that that i must understand and that we must all understand that there are many and many that are leaders in our country that are only doing what is right in their own eyes. Sound familiar? They're only doing what is right in their own di- eyes. They're, they're not seeing things through the eyes of someone who has been enlightened by the power of God, by the word of God, and by the spirit of God. They are pagans being pagans. And what else can we expect of a pagan but to act like a pagan? I don't know if I said that all right. Does that make sense? If someone is apart from God, what should we expect out of them except to act like someone apart from God, a pagan? Only by the grace of God can that change. Only then and See, until God's word, the message of the cross is open where they can see it, the message of the cross, the word of God is only foolishness and will only be foolishness until light shines into darkness. Uh, 1 Corinthians one eighteen. I read this from time to time. For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see the difference. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross, foolishness to those who are perishing, those who are without Christ, those that don't have the Holy Spirit, those that haven't been enlightened by the truth of God's word. But for us who are being saved, talking of that process of sanctification, us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so when, when I hear someone who appears to be perishing because of their foolishness, may I have compassion and pray for them rather than getting angry at their foolishness. And I, and I pray that we can all have that attitude because if you're going to listen to anything in the news and because we've got an election coming up this November and you're wanting to gain information and you're going to listen to any of that you're going to you're going to have opportunity to be tempted to become angry I'll guarantee it but do this instead I'm going to try I'm going to try by, by the truth of God's word and, and and by the power of the Holy Spirit I'm going to try I'm going to try to have compassion I'm going to try to understand that these are people that are yet lost because if they were true born again children of God, I don't believe they would be saying these things over and over and over again as a pattern of life. If it was just one thing at one moment in time, perhaps in a moment of weakness, that would be one thing. But when it's a pattern over and over again, then that is a practice of life. That is who they are. And so may my love, may our love abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Why? Why? Well, let's go back to Philippians 1. Why? Verse 10 and 11. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that we might have wisdom and discernment, and then he prays also that you'll be able to recognize the things that are excellent, that which is the highest, that which is the best. Now, perhaps you learned, I can remember learning this in, in English class. <laughs> I didn't learn much, it seems like, but, but I do remember this when the, when they talked about the good, the better, the best. The good, the better, the best uh, so but may we discern those things which are the best, the most excellent, so I, I think this is not only to discern what is good and bad, but also to determine what is good, but what is what is better, and then what is best, that which is the most excellent for us in Christ. may we approve, choose those things that are excellent. And this is talking about being discerning, about being able to discriminate not just the good from the, the bad, but also between the good and the best. So this has to do with, you know, we preached the sermon, I don't know if it was the last week or two weeks ago, exercising ourselves to godliness. This is, this is us. This is my thinking. And, and to have a right thinking, to be uh, fighting the good fight of faith, and that my thinking would be correct when I hear certain things that may try to get me sideways and get me off track. And, and Paul talked about our thinking. Let's read it again. I think we probably read it last week or week before, Philippians 4, eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things... Let me start again. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. So so may I, may we all have a thinking on the right things, the best things, the most excellent things. Why? That we may be able to approve the things that are excellent. To approve those things. And that word translated as approve uh, in, in the Greek, it's dachimiezo, which means to examine, to scrutinize, to recognize as genuine, and to deem worthy. It, it said it was a term that was used in the testing of coins uh, to determine if a coin was genuine or counterfeit. So may we choose the genuine and pass on the counterfeit. Choose what is right. May we, may I, always choose what is right. Now, for everyone that's listening, from the youngest to the oldest, there, there's what we must do. Choose what is right. See, when we're faced with a particular situation in life, from the youngest to the oldest, and and we're tempted, do I do this? Do I have that? What do I do? Stop and consider what is the right thing? What is the right thing? And, and especially for, th- for those of us who are born again, the right thing would be those things that would be in agreement with the Word of God. What decision, what choice am I going to make here that best follows the truths found in God's Word? Or you could say uh, does this choice, if I take this choice, does it clearly not follow the truths found in God word, God's word? So follow after truth, follow what is right. What is right? May, may we may follow uh, through with a, a certain decision uh, to trust God and to choose what is right. And, and again I could ask that question of why. And let me read some more there in verse ten that you may approve the things that are excellent, and then here's the why, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. And again, I go to the Greek, and and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can go to commentaries, and I can go to other people who explain these things, and that word for sincere could could be translated as pure. It's the Greek word that uh that that comes from uh the Greek word for sunlight, which is hela or hile. And you would bring something what it meant was you would bring something into the sunlight, out into the light. If you uh, it was said that when they were purchasing cloths and they would be inside a building. Well to, to know the true color they would take it outside and expose it to the sunlight so they could see exactly what it was, or they could hold it up and see uh, how close the weave was to see how good the fabric was. It was a way to determine what is genuine and what is counterfeit to see its true colors. It is also said that back in the day that they would take pottery uh, if they were potter that was sitting back in a shady area and. and and uh, someone was wanting to buy it, well, they would take it out in the sunlight and they would hold it up and so that they might be able to see if there were impurities and see if they were cracks in the pottery. So it's as though Paul is, is praying and saying, I want you to allow the sunshine of God's love, the power of his purity, the truth of his word to shine on you in such a way that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ and what to say that you will not be offensive that you will not be the cause of offense in the lives of others and finally that your lives may be full of the true goodness that is to the glory and praise of God lives that are right with God both in terms of our relationship with him and our obedience to him that that final phrase the goal of all this is the is to the, that we might be to the glory and praise of God. See, the, the, the goal of Paul's prayer is the same as the purpose of our lives, that we might live to the praise of his glory. And I believe, Jim, I, I believe read uh, from the Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever so may we glorify god by loving others as we should by loving others as we have been called to love so let us pray let us pray lord help me help us lord that our love may abound still more and more in in knowledge and all discernment Help us, Lord, that we might approve the things that are excellent, that we might be sincere and without offense until you come for us, Lord. May we be filled with all the fruits of righteousness and, and live to the glory and praise of God. So, Father, help us to know you more. And, Lord, should there be one that doesn't know you, in spirit and truth, Father, have mercy. Open their eyes to your word and to your truth that they might repent that they might turn from their sin, receive Christ, believing and turn and follow him. So, Lord, help us to live our lives that we might be to the praise of your glory. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.